Welcome to The Soul Journey, where we will discuss the journey of people, authors, musicians, clergy, blue collar, white collar, and beyond, and find out what drives their journey. Proverb Newsom, The Soldier starts right now. Welcome to Soldier, coming to you live from Harold's Coffee. Hey, I want to really thank all the people that have been listening. Also, want to thank Canada, Spain, and everybody in the U.S. Uh, our reach is growing and expanding, uh, and that's due to y'all spreading the word. So keep that coming. We love y'all. I'm sitting here with Maya Valueno, who's a great friend of mine. We've known each other for quite some time. I'm really not sure how we met, though. How did we? How do we even meet? You don't even remember, do you? <laughs> well, um, I knew you before I met you because I used to listen to you on Way FM. But I think we first met at Crossover in Tampa. Crossover, yeah, the home of holy hip hop shows and concerts and artists and the mecca of everything holy hip hop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, that sounds about right. That sounds about right. Do you remember what concert it was? Oh my gosh, I think it was probably Flavor Fest or okay. something All like right. that. Right. That was okay. such a long time ago. <laughs> I have gray hair now, so like I can't remember that far back. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm with you with the grays and the memory and the whole nine. So you are like an artisan. You are a poet. You are an entrepreneur. You're involved in the nonprofit sector. You're involved in a lot of different things, aren't you? If you put it that way, I guess so. Um, I just, I just want to definitely utilize all the gifts and talents that God has given me to the fullest. And so, whenever I have an opportunity to do that, I do it. Cool. So, what did you get into first? Did you were you an artist first? Were you a poet first? Were you an entrepreneur first? I mean, what what did you dive into first? What drew you in? Uh, I think what drew me in is really, I was a seeker first. Okay. And so, um, for me, just just seeking involved a lot of me writing. Um, having come from another country and English being my third language, for me, a lot of my coping mechanism to getting used in, to the United States and acclimating to American culture, um, one of the things that my counselor in elementary school always encouraged for me to do was write. And so I started writing. And writing became a voice for me, and I found that I was able to articulate myself better through my writing. Mm-hmm. And um, as I started seeking truth and seeking God in high school, um, I found that I started writing poetry to God. Well, it was basically the words that I was formulating became poetry. Mm-hmm. I didn't know it was poetry, but that began my journey within poetry. Um, being able to uh, co-create with the creator that way. Yeah, that's awesome. That sounds very cool, co-creating with the creator. So you've written actually two books, right? Yeah, I'm glad you know about that. You sound surprised, <laughs> like I like you actually did research, Rob. <laughs> Yes, yes. Because um, I don't usually like talk about my books much because um, I wrote them so long ago. And this is the, the, the artist in me. It's kind of like, oh, once you're done with the project, you're on to the next thing. So I don't even think about my books anymore. But yeah, that's why I sounded a little surprised because it's been a long time since I published um, my two books. 
Okay, so like one of them was called, I believe, One Mind to the Body. Is that right? Yes. And that was a book of poetry, and I can't remember the name of the other one, but yeah. What, what, what was the name of that one? Um, the other book is called Change is Coming, Dream Pursued, Purpose Fulfilled. Yeah, I would have never remembered that. That's yeah. like that's a long it, title. It's, it's definitely a long title, and I, I have long titles for everything. I don't know why, but that's just how I flow. <laughs> All right. So when you um, when you wrote those books, and it was a long time ago, and that stemmed out of your passion to write, um, to co-create with the creator, and and those poems are about your journey. Yes, um, One Mind to the Body was really a collection of poetry just from the beginning of my journey um, where I was questioning life. Um, you know, one of the, uh, one of the um, poems that starts out with the book is called Lost One. Mm-hmm. And so, and then the book ends with Found in Christ. And so, um, One Mind to the Body uh, is really like my journey of coming to know Christ. Um, and then change is coming, purpose fulfilled is really about my journey now as a missionary um, and, and really taking the gospel to the streets. Mm. So Okay, that's cool. Now, you mentioned earlier that you were um, not from the States. Where, where's your origins? Well, I come from a land down under. No, not really. <laughs> um, I'm from Wakanda, a.k.a. Haiti. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Uh, um, It Um. is an island in the Caribbean. It's part of the Greater Antilles, not the Lesser Antilles. We are part of Hispaniola, and Mm -hmm. so our land is divided into the uh, west side is Haiti, and the east side is Dominican Republic. Very cool. Now, a lot of stuff is happening in Haiti right now. A lot of stuff. Uh, Unrest. I guess, over gas prices or something like that, something to that effect. How do you feel about all that stuff? I mean, I know you're here. I know you're, you know, United States and all that. But you have an attachment, obviously, because that's your homeland. So how do you feel about what's what's going on there? Really, what's going on in Haiti is a result of the voices unheard. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, it's not just so much about the gas prices, but just the injustices that are that continues to happen for the haves and the have-nots. Gotcha. Um, and so you have a population of people who they don't benefit from banks. They don't have a bank account. They don't benefit from gas stations. They don't benefit from the big grocery stores. You know, there's a lot of people who live below poverty level and there are people who live in a bubble and ignore what's happening to the other. And so you you see when 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 people are in distress, when people are angry, that turns to rage, that rage turns into violence and it violence turns into chaos. And so you're you're seeing um, a, a remnant of people who are sick and tired of being sick and tired. And, you know, I truly believe, you know, and and this isn't stuff that just happens in Haiti. It happens everywhere. Um, And and, and to me, I believe that it's really a move of God to wake people up, to see with Mm -hmm. the eyes of God that every soul matters. Right, right. So, So, like, haves, have-nots. Haiti is 
Okay, let me let me back up. So when when news portrays things, like if you go elsewhere and you watch the news, you see America and through through their lens, right? So as an American citizen, when I watch the news, I see the world through America's journalistic lens, right? And some countries, other than America, the richest country in the world, so they say, so they tell us, uh, Haiti is portrayed as one of the poorest. Is that an accurate reflection, or is that just some propaganda that U.S. journalists feed us? Well, based on the GDP, um, Haiti is one of the poorest countries in the world. It is not the number one country in the world that's um, uh, that people live below a dollar uh, per day a dollar per day yes that's insane <laughs> yes wow. um, however it's it's the majority of the population like you in Haiti you have 99% of, of, of the people who are really in crisis and then you have the 1% who control what happens in the country okay yeah okay so. So, so it's not the poorest. So we, we're putting that to rest right now. It is not the poorest country in the world. It's one of. It's one of. They're on the come up. <laughs> They're on the come up. And here, and here, here, one thing, too, I want to say. Um, Haiti may have a lot of issues economically, mm-hmm. but it is a country rich in spirit. I, I would believe that. I, I do. I do believe that um, everybody that I know from Haiti, yourself, uh, I have a few other friends that are that are Haitian Americans or just Haitians as well, and they're all very good people, very smart, very cultured, very woke, very. They just know a lot about a lot, you know. So uh, you guys are a, a great reflection of your country, and I've never been to Haiti personally, but. I would love to go. You totally come. Yes, you you definitely enjoy the country. Um, you know, I, I had an opportunity to go back in 2013. I went back in 2012. I was there in 2011, and also in 2010 after the earthquake. And I hadn't been back since I was a child. And even though there's a lot of things that are very different from when I was there in 1991, um, there's so much beauty still in the country. You know, every 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 community, you know, every country has their ghettos. Mm-hmm. Um, every country has, you know, their 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 places that need redevelopment. Yeah. And Haiti's still in that space of developing, but there's still so much beauty there. Yeah. So. Yeah, that that's interesting what you said about every country having their ghetto, right? So I'm a big film buff. I like to watch a lot of movies, and so I'm a <laughs> I'm a huge Bruce Lee fan. So I've watched Enter the Dragon like I don't know how many times. And there's this character Jim Kelly plays, and I don't even remember his title, but he he's this dude from the hood who goes to this elite fighting thing in an island, and uh, he makes this comment that ghettos are the same all over the world. They stink, and. Uh, <laughs> It's true, you know, no matter where you go, if it's America, if it's Haiti, if it's Dominican Republic, if it's Cambodia, they look the same, the people are in the same conditions, they just speak another language and their skin shape may be different, but the stink is still the stink of the ghetto, you know what I mean? Um, so off politics and, and country and whatnot, uh, and let's talk about how you got involved in entrepreneurship. How did, how did, what pulled you into that? Um, <laughs> um. Well, I, I, 
it's interesting. Um, I think I've always had an entrepreneurial spirit ever since elementary school selling airheads, you know, and, and, and Skittles to people from my backpack. Um, but I think intentionally it wasn't until um, um, I finished undergrad where um, I really began to to recognize the skills and based on the experiences God allowed me to go through, um, the purpose and the gifts that he's given to me. And so from there, I started my own nonprofit organization that focused on um, working with youth and utilizing the arts um, as a way to transform lives. And uh, I continued in that aspect. And for me, writing is my main art form that transforms into music, it transforms into um, dance, it transforms into film. But writing is the start. And so I see that I can utilize my writing as a way to really uh, speak into culture. And I have made writing not so much as my business, but my ministry. Um, It is my platform to share the gospel of Christ. Okay, so you mentioned music. Are you? Do you like write music and sing music? You rap. What do you do? (laughs) Um, I write and I do spoken word poetry. Um, I don't sing. I will not ever claim to be a singer, Um, but I do have songs in my heart Mm -hmm. that I would write words to and work with other artists and collaborate with fellow workers to um, to make that vision come to pass. Gotcha. That's awesome. So I've, I've learned a whole bunch of stuff about you that I didn't know, like a lot of stuff. So um, what are you into now? What are you doing right now with yourself? Oh, what am I doing with myself? Oh, man. Um, I am really focusing on some self-care. You know, when, you know, ever since I came to Christ, I've been on the go, mm-hmm. you know, really had that zeal for the Lord and just going and going and going and going and recognizing that, you know what, you're like really pushing the temple of God right now and you got to take care of it. And so I've taken time to be still and know mm-hmm. and that's a discipline. It is. Yeah. It is really a discipline to just sit and wait and rest. Mm-hmm. Um, this year, I've been intentional with the Sabbath in my life, and I've experienced God's stillness and His refreshing at a, a completely different level. And that's what I've been focusing on for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but I found that in that, because I'm doing that, it gives me more energy to continue in the work that God started within me. And so I'm still writing. Um, uh, I launched a a website called lifespurpose.live, which is a community for other Christian writers um, to share what God has given to them, um, really um, to to have a, a platform to share the good news of Christ, um, whether it be in, in fiction writing or nonfiction, self-help. And um, it, it's been something that I've always wanted to do just by giving other Christian content developers um, a platform to share the good news based on the gifts and talents God has given to them. Um, that's what I'm doing. 
in that sense, but I'm also advocating for education. I am my my trade <laughs> uh, is in education. That's what I have my master's in special education and, and in community development. And, you know, I really have a passion to be a voice for the voiceless. And having been in the classroom for the past five years, I recognize now that I need to be a voice for my students. And so I am taking my writing. Um, there's my creative writing, my administrative writing, and now I want to take this writing to another level where it's in legislative writing mm, and yeah. seeing how God can use me in a space to influence um, systems. And so that's what I've been doing right now. It seems like a lot, but I'm thankful that I'm more intentional in this whole rest and being mm -hmm. still mm -hmm. because that's where I find my strength to continue. Yeah. That's it's interesting that you say that because I mean when when you were talking and you're talking about being still and and resting and and then all the stuff that came out of the rest right I just got the image of uh, a battery powered light right so a light expels darkness and it does its thing but eventually if it's battery powered the battery runs down and you need new batteries and so you got you you got to go buy new batteries and that might take some time to get in the car go get it if they're out you got to wait or go to another store but regardless you need new batteries for the light so what you're doing with your life because ministry can be draining ministry can take a lot out of you ministry at times can burn you out if you allow it because <laughs> Let's face it, Christians are not the type of people that worry about self-care. They don't, you know, because it's like, oh, self-care, Jesus got me. You know, yeah. why, why don't you care about myself? Jesus got me, you know. <laughs> Jesus also took time away from, from his did. disciples and went and sat on the mountain and was like, okay, Lord, you yeah. know. So yeah. it's like, you know, we have to be more like Christ too and know when we need to rest yeah. yeah and and that was actually one of it's one of the commandments yeah you know to to find that time to be still and appreciate what god has done you know appreciate the rest that he's given to us yeah, yeah so yeah. i'm i'm finding that that's it's, it's a big paradigm shift for me because i've always been a um a workaholic mm -hmm. and like no i don't need you to be that I need yeah. you to be Maeva, and I need you to have, be able to have stamina mm -hmm. and be able to influence for a long time. Right. So. Yeah, and I agree with you. Um, it's the new batteries and the rest that allow us to have stamina and longevity. It's not. <laughs> it's not running from you know the time that you're commissioned until you're dead. That's helpful, kinda, but not really because it doesn't allow you to have longevity. So, I commend you for you know taking time, pushing pause, and and doing what you needed to do to get those batteries so that you can have longevity. That's that's awesome. Now you're um you like you you mentioned you were a teacher in the school district. Um, tell me some about those. Tell me a little bit about those experiences. Well, I became an educator. I always considered myself an educator prior to becoming a certified teacher. Um, I was a teaching artist. I always worked um, within the schools, um, primarily going in and doing 45-minute uh, liter literacy blocks with kids, um, but in integrating the arts and showing other teachers how to integrate the arts in their curriculum. Um, but then when I became a full-time teacher, um, I was teaching primarily in the most restrictive school settings, um, most of 
well, all of my students um, had an individualized education plan um, because they were diverse learners and they had um, other needs. And so that experience for me really opened my eyes to the mission field not only being in other parts of the world, the mission field being our school system, <laughs> the mission field being, you know, our healthcare system, wherever, you know, God calls you, that's your mission field. And for me, I feel like now, uh, full circle, because I've always had a passion for the arts, a passion for kids, my mission field is the education system. And I taught in New York um, for three years and came back to South Florida and taught here. And I'm recognizing a lot of the same concerns from parents is that are their kids getting high quality education? Are they getting the supports and services that they need? Mm -hmm. And then when I speak to parents about what's available to them according to the law, a lot of them were unaware. They were not informed. And so for me now, taking myself out of the classroom I want to be able to advocate for my students and their parents. Yeah. I want to make sure that parents are informed on what's available for them and their kids in the classroom and outside of the classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my experience in the classroom, my experience in, in just having worked in the arts and community development, I think now has really come full circle in the sense of now I want you to fight for this on a whole other level. Right. You know, just going in at, and and working on policy and understanding how policy affects what happens in the classroom and how policy affects communities. Mm-hmm. You know, and so for me, I think that that's another part of growth in my faith and in my career. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it's interesting because like a lot of parents really don't know what is available. Um, especially in like you know poor urban communities they really don't know how to advocate for their, chi- their their child or children within the school district or the schools they just even if they have an IEP they don't know how to follow up to make make sure that those IEPs are even being followed up on yes. and so they're not their their child might still be struggling but they're like well they got an IEP what's why isn't it getting better and you're right part of the the thing is knowing how to advocate knowing how to check the school system and make sure they're doing what they're supposed to do by law because they're supposed to be helping your child because there's an IEP in place and a lot of times that just doesn't happen but um, what do you think is is going to be like the catalyst for making a change in that area that's what I've really been praying about and a lot of what God has been putting in my heart is unity within the community where what happens is a lot of mandates are created however they aren't being implemented due to um, lack of funding Um, not that the funding isn't there but the distribution of funding where you see systemically that most schools who get more funding are in a particular zip code and the schools that don't get funding are in a particular zip code and those schools are divided into districts and those districts happen to be a you know each district kind of has its own feel like you'll have a very affluent district and a a district in a low-income community 
And so uh, a lot of the things that I do believe needs to change is making sure that um, school districts are, there, there isn't any gerrymandering when it comes to school districting. And that funding to school district are um, distributed equitably. And I think it's going to be uh, really important for churches to be involved in their school district and understand what's happening in the schools and to also expose some of the injustices happening within the school system. You know, we have, I mean, just, just we, we see this in churches. We see this in communities. You know, one of the big things is that we're segregated. Um, I taught in both Title I schools and very affluent schools where there are times that I was the only educator or person of color there. Mm-hmm. And all parents from all walks of life want the best for their kids. Yeah, but sometimes we put ourselves in a bubble and we don't understand um, what other people are going through. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what's going to really be important is that communities need to come together mm-hmm. and advocate for the rights of all children yeah. Yeah. and so that the voices are louder. When the voices are combined, it's louder. And to make sure that when communities come together and their voices are heard, then it's rep- is a representation that this is something that all communities need, mm-hmm. not one specific community. And I think that that's going to be important for the church to display that kind of unity. Those are good points. I, I've, I strongly feel, right, as a, as a country, as a church, um, as a community, as a culture, we have been focused on equality for so long, right? Equality. The whole civil rights movement was about equality and getting what was promised to us by the Constitution of the United States, you know, all created equal, but we're not all treated equal. You know, it's, there's just disparity there. But I, I, I strongly feel that things need to change, a shift from equality to equity. And those are not the same thing. Explain how they're not the same. Um, so equality is just looking at like, okay, Let's say we're running a race, mm-hmm. all right? We're all starting at the starting line, yep. right? And Johnny, okay, has a clear path in his, from, in his side of the track. Mm-hmm. And Bobby has a couple of blocks in front of him. Their race isn't equal. There were barriers blocking Bobby, from getting to the finish line where for Johnny he has a straight run to go through mm-hmm. he doesn't have any hurdles to jump and so that's not equal but to make things fair in the sense of making sure that this race will will be um, an equitable race is that those barriers need to be removed And what has happened in our laws, there's been a lot of laws that created barriers for different groups of people. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that, one, as a body, we need to expose those things. We need to be able to talk about them. And I know it's very uncomfortable because it comes off as, oh, a black or white issue, but it's not a black or white issue. 
it's an issue of um, justice, mm-hmm. you know, and Micah tells us that we should walk humbly, seek peace and justice, right? Mm-hmm. And so when we're looking at education, we want to make him, make sure that all kids are treated with uh, our, our educate our education system is equitable and so we have to remove all those barriers so that every kid has a chance to achieve agreed that's awesome so what's next for you what, what what's the next chapter hold for Maeva? <laughs> my next chapter um you know i've I've been in Florida now since 2016. I spent some time in New York. I spent some time in Philly. I am leaving Florida again, and I'm going to the West Side, uh, to California, which well, I'll be starting a new chapter in Ed Policy. And I'm really looking forward to what God's going to do in that sense for me there when it comes to um, advocating for children on a a completely different level. Um, I'm excited about that. And continuing to write, you know. um, I'm not saying yes to a lot of things. Um, Still kind of staying in the mindset of Mm -hmm. self-care. Because I know that the work that I'm going to get into now is going to be a lot. Um, But I definitely do just look forward to what God's going to do. And, you know, with this remnant, there's so much division right now in in, in our culture. And I'm I'm just praying for change and, and hoping that, you know, that his people really stay steadfast and I'm hoping that I stay steadfast and I stay grounded in my walk with Christ and and that I don't lose hope by the things that I'm seeing with my eyes that's happening here in this country Mm -hmm. Um, but that I continue to fight the good fight Um, so for me that's that's what's next okay are you going to be working with an organization out there or are you going out there on your own how what's happening (laughs) Yeah, I, I've, I've kind of stopped doing the Lone Ranger thing. <laughs> um, th- thankfully, um, I am a, I'm a part of an organization called Leadership for Educational Equity. Okay. And so I'm going to be working with them in this uh, public policy position. Um, and from there, we'll see what happens. We'll see what God does. Um, I'm continuing to, um, you know... Like I said, write, and I'm writing more about education nowadays, mm-hmm. and we'll see what that does. You know, like I'm, God is in control. And God, sure. God is yeah. completely in control. I, sure. I think I've I've come to a place in my life where I try not to plan a lot of things mm-hmm. because God has shown me where He can just do a, a quick 180 and be like, sure. nope, this way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. That's awesome. Yeah. So. As we wrap up, where can people find out more about you? I know that you gave out one website uh, earlier in the in the interview. Um, give that one again. Give the um, website for the organization you just mentioned, and then any other things that you want to throw out there. Sure. Um, well, if you are interested in learning more about me, my website is myavatheartist.com, but I'm sure none of you will know how <laughs> to spell that. <laughs> 
we will put we will put some links and some info on the on this podcast website so yeah, but um the, the main website that i do want to continue to build community with is life's purpose dot live like life's purpose dot live so. all right and what's the website to the organization that you're going to on the left coast leadership for educational equity dot org <laughs> That's really long. <laughs> it is, but again, we'll put it all on the website so that people will link right to it. All they got to do is click. All you got to do is click. That's it. I'll make it real easy for you. So, Maeva, thank you so much for talking with me. Um, Harold, thank you for having us and letting us uh, hang out in here and drink chai tea and enjoy your environment. <laughs> so that's going to be it for this week in the Sojourn. I appreciate you guys. Keep writing, keep tweeting, um, keep visiting, keep listening. We love y'all. Again, life is a journey. Enjoy the trip. That's a wrap for this episode of The Soul Journey. Hopefully you learned something, were inspired, and motivated to begin a journey of your own. Please email me your comments, questions, or even suggestions for my next guest at proverb.newsome at gmail.com. Once again, that's proverb.newsome at gmail.com. This has been The Soldier. Remember, life is a journey. Enjoy the trip.